Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast. We are, of course, the Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you each week by a team of Spurs fans and a Leeds fan called Dave. This week should be a good one. We have beaten Chelsea at home. How long has it been since we've been able to say that? Very good performance, very good result. And to help me talk about that, as well as other things, previewing a couple of upcoming games are, of course, as always, our ever presence, Elio and Dave. Elio, Come to you first. Welcome back. Uh, nice day out today. Yeah, yeah, good day out today. Voice a little worse for wear. For some reason, I'm getting angrier about the good games than I was about <laughs> the bad games. The bad games just made me ambivalent. The good games get me hopping mad to continue the frog theme from last week. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's something to fight for that's still worth actually screaming about. Yeah, I yeah, get exactly. that. Dave, you watched the game today. I, I know you like watching Chelsea lose, so there would have been that extra sweetness today. hope you enjoyed watching Spurs. You didn't catch the whole game, though. You had a DIY disaster midway through, from what I understand. Yes, I had a cupboard mishap halfway through the first half, which made me miss the second half of the first half. But I heard nothing contentious happen, so I think we're all good. Well, I was going to say, if there was a time to miss in the game, it might have been that point, because there was a lot of drama which we'll get on to in just a bit and we'll hear the thoughts of everyone before we get into talk about one of three games we're going to discuss obviously Chelsea we're going to talk about Wolves which is our next Premier League game and of course the cup game against Sheffield United just a quick word on a huge presence in football that we lost this week the man who's been described as the voice of football to so many of us and us as mid 30 year olds getting on towards the late 30s have grown up with John Motson's voice calling all the big moments in football so Elio actually suggested before that we lead in with a little bit of a kind of an homage to John Motson. I wanted to start things off just by saying that the first goal I think of, and Elio, you're going to hate me if I've taken the one you're going to bring up, is a goal that I'm not old enough to remember having seen live, but it's one that I've watched many times and I've seen on Tottenham VHSs and it's a famous FA Cup goal. And that is, of course, Ricky Villa's goal against Man City in the 81 final from that famous goal where he weaves in and out. And Motson is, (laughs) it's not the most inventive commentary. Sometimes the best moments in commentary aren't. It's just excitable. And it's just Ricky Villa and still Ricky Villa. What a fantastic run. He scored. And I love that moment. And uh, I saw that shared by Tottenham's official account the other day. Mm. And it just, uh, yeah, nice emotional moment from John Motson. So, Elio, synonymous with football commentary for so much of our lives as football fans. Absolutely. We all obviously grew up listening to John Motson as the voice of BBC commentary. He, for some reason, finished off with talk sports, but he was with the BBC (laughs) for such a long time. He obviously was there for that Ricky Villa goal before we were even alive. He was there for Gazza's Tears. He's the voice that we associate with so many, so many great memories as football fans, never mind as Spurs fans. He's also someone who had a particularly soft spot for Spurs as well. He always spoke very, very highly of Spurs. I think he was a bit of a closet Spurs fan underneath it all, to tell you the truth. And, <laughs> or at least a, a sympathiser and a huge, huge loss. This is sort of the football equivalent of if we lost David Attenborough, except Motti's also quite young to have lost him. And uh, mm. I, I think we're all probably quite deeply sad. And I mean, here we are recording a podcast so that people can hopefully listen to and enjoy our ramblings about football and about Spurs and John Motson is someone who millions of people enjoyed and it's people like him that 
directly or otherwise leads to us doing something like this ultimately is the muddy waters to our rolling stones <laughs> absolutely Elliot. really good way of putting it do you have a particular standout goal that you think of when you think of john watson's commentary i mean there are literally hundreds if not thousands that you could pick from but any particular moments that stand out or dave feel free to jump in if you've got one I mean, the superb one is the one that you took it. I mean, Ricky Villa's FA Cup final goal was sort of his they think it's all over moment. I think that mm. is that is just up there with anything everyone, even non-Spurs fans, should remember. He also very famously once said, once again, this is before we were watching, but you, you yeah. get indoctrinated on these quotes as a young Spurs fan. I mean, being a young Spurs fan is all about being indoctrinated on things that you'll never get to experience in your lifetime, like <laughs> yeah. winning trophies. But um, exactly, he did yeah. very famously say, for those of you watching in black and white, Spurs are in the all-yellow strip. <laughs> I feel like that's a subtle dig almost, isn't it, if anything? Dave, what about you? What are your uh, fondest memories of, of Motti? Uh, well, behind the mic. My favourite memory is uh, it's not lead related or Spurs, but okay. one of the first things that I ever really had on VHS and watched until I think I broke the tape was the World Cup ninety highlights package that BBC mm. did after the tournament, and mm. uh, the one that stands out by country mile in terms of commentary and the thing that I'll always remember is the second round game against Belgium with the commentary. Oh, Platt. It's there, David Platt. England have won it in the last minute of extra time. Love it. And I just love it. I just loved it. That that drama and didn't need to say anything particularly clever. He just needed to tell us exactly yeah. what was happening and, and and that's what he did. And I think that's that was, you know, a, a good thing about Motti. He never really particularly embellished when he didn't need to embellish because he let the football do yeah. the embellishment. Exactly. It was in the delivery and the emotion and just sort of recognising those big moments. It's not a Peter Drury with his elaborate poetry, which is brilliant in itself. Or a Jonathan Pierce just going generally ballistic. <laughs> yeah. Or Martin Tyler just yeah. sounding pissed off yeah. that something's happened and he's got to say something. And he's had to get out of his chair to comment on it. Yeah, exactly. Well, needless to say, uh, you know, huge character in football and greatly missed for the football community and our thoughts as always are with those closest to him. A game that is always top billing and would have certainly been one for John Watson to call in his heyday is, of course, Tottenham Chelsea. And we've had that today. We we're actually recording on the same day as the match for once, which is a bit of novelty for us. So luckily we won, otherwise the language would have been particularly terrible. Um, it was a 2-0 victory. We're going to get into it. First of all, Elliot, the first thing I'll we'll talk about is the lineup, which was the same team as we saw dispose of West Ham, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it? The same yeah. 11. Richardson kept his place. Davies once again as a left wing back and skip in again. Uh, were you happy to see the same team line up this time? Absolutely. Entire week between the two matches, what would have the point been in changing things around? They made the right choice, whether it was Stellini or, or Conte from his iPad over yeah. in Italy. It was it was the way to go, and the team once again earned their spot, every single one of them. Absolutely, absolutely. And it was vindicated in the performance and in the results. I think there's quite a lot about the game that you could say was almost predictable in terms of what you would have expected of this game. Spurs were okay first half, very good second half. Chelsea had a lot of possession, didn't really do much with it because they don't have a striker. Spurs probably looked a bit more dangerous when they did have the ball, not creating a huge amount of clear chances. But one thing that surprised me, Dave, and I think you've touched on this point in the past, was Spurs actually looked like they were up for a fight today, which... 
I've not seen against Chelsea specifically for a long time. We were winning the second balls. We were winning the 50-50s. We were getting stuck in. It wasn't quite a battle of the bridge, but it looked like we wanted it a little bit more than they did. Yeah, it, it did. And I think that, to a large extent, was the efforts of the midfield. Now, obviously, we'll talk about him a little bit later, but I thought Skip played really well. I thought he covered a lot of ground. I thought Hoybier was was everywhere. Um, for the mm. certainly for the first uh, twenty minutes when I was watching, and then again in the second half, I felt like he was he was popping up in places that you wouldn't necessarily expect him. I think, like we said on the podcast last, I think or the one before, maybe he's benefiting from the fact that he's got Skip there, so he can rely on the fact that Skip is there to mop things up, and that gives him a little bit of creative freedom. And I think the yeah. two of them in that midfield were well, certainly in the first half, they were a match for Enzo Fernandez and Loftus Cheek. I think Enzo Fernandez was tidy. But he wasn't as good mm. as when I saw him the first time when when they played no. Fulham. I thought he he bossed that midfield, but I don't think uh, I don't think he was given the opportunity to do that this afternoon. I think that's testament to the two guys for you. He joined Declan Rice in Oliver Skip's pockets. All these uh, hundred million pounds <laughs> midfielders getting Ollie Skip's lint in their hair is fantastic to see. <laughs> it surely is, uh, Elio. What were your feelings at half time? Because obviously no goals up until that point. Some incident, but what were you thinking at half time? Nil nil. Were you happy with what you'd seen at that stage? I was. We were the better team. Um, mm. I, I thought that we were far more incisive when we broke. We had. Less of the ball, but not hugely less. And I think by full time, it was sort of a 60-40 split roughly, which is not actually dominant. When you think of dominant possession displays, you think of 70 plus ever since Barcelona wrote the book on that, basically. But uh, we we were the better team first half. We were unlucky not to be ahead, in my opinion. Uh, A lot of players really brought their A game. I thought Richarlison looked once again like an absolute handful. I thought Kulusevski was Mm. so skillful. Kane, some of his passing was just delightful and both midfielders I mean you can go right through the team and it was all good the only chances yeah. that they had I think they had a couple of chances which both came off the back of missed headers essentially they they got their chances off the back of a little bit of sloppiness as opposed to any particularly good play and uh, well if there's anything that shows who was in control today it's the fact that their goalkeeper was time wasting on the 30th minute <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. We both made the same point pretty much simultaneously about how embarrassing mm-hmm. it is for a team that cost the best part of a billion pounds going away to their biggest rivals, supposedly, and trying to play for a nil-nil from half an hour in. It Absolutely was, shame. shameful behavior. It was ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> maybe Kepa just wanted fewer chances to have to actually make a save in the match because we all know that he's not really a goalkeeper. He's just a clown who won yeah. a competition. But... <laughs> It, More on him in a bit. It, it's still absolutely pathetic and they got the just rewards. So how's I feeling? I was feeling good about the performance. I was yeah. also thinking to myself, how the hell is this wanker refereeing the hardest <laughs> match to referee in the Premier League? And it is the hardest match to referee in the yeah. Premier League. There's no match that consistently has as much incident as this one. And they gave it to yeah. someone who has been shown time and time again in his young refereeing career to flap under pressure. And boy, did he flap. Yeah, he did. Shall we talk about that then? It's probably as good as I time as any to talk to. about the VAR red card, yellow card. I mean, it was one of the messiest VAR decisions I've ever seen in terms of no one really seems to know, including the referee and all of the players on the pitch, what was happening or what should be happening. 
Dave, I know you had a close eye on this, and I feel like this is an example of something where we need a neutral perspective. <laughs> I was convinced it was a red card for Ziyech, to be specific, for raising his hand to Emerson's face. What was your impression of the whole thing? And can you maybe take us through the tale, step by step, of what actually happened in real time and whether any of it makes sense? Well, let's see. Um, I, my head was in a cupboard when it happened, but I managed, I managed to get my head out of that I cupboard. I think the referee's when I, head was in the cupboard when too. When I got maybe. the WhatsApp barrage, I, uh, I, mm. I got back onto the TV and rewound it and watched it again and then obviously saw a little bit of the analysis from... Chelsea's Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank, uh, which is quite <laughs> funny. But yeah, from what I saw, it looked like Havertz tried to cheekily trip up. Uh, I'm sorry, I've forgotten what Spurs player it was. So inconsequential, which Spurs player it was. was. Emerson. Was it? it was Emerson. Oh, no, it was Richarlison. Uh, it was Richarlison, sorry. It was Richarlison. Oh, no, Emerson was it the was. one who got a hand Emerson, in the face. Emerson and was started, started involved. getting, in, getting yeah. involved unnecessarily, yeah. but we'll come to that. So yeah. Richarlison yeah. gets attempted tripped by Havertz, but doesn't really trip him. And then maybe half as he half going down, whatever. Ziyech comes in with a pretty bad tackle. Not a horror tackle, but a pretty bad tackle. <laughs> as some um, might say. As some may say. At that point, the kind of play was stopped. We don't know if the referee had stopped the player for the trip, uh, the attempted trip, or if they'd stopped it for the tackle. But either way, it's a free kick to Spurs. And then mm. it all kicked off. Everybody started getting involved. Royale, did he get yellow carded for the shove that he did? Yeah, well, that was probably the right thing to do because nothing was going to happen if he hadn't have done that. But he did that, obviously, to try and get some kind of reaction from Ziyech. Maybe, maybe I didn't, I don't know if Ziyech has got a short fuse or if known to having a short fuse, but whatever drove Royale to do that, he did it. Ziyech then retaliated by essentially trying to push him but get in his face uh, yep. and he got him in the face and I haven't read the rule book, but yeah, the argument was that if he's hit him in the face, then he's hit him in the face, then he should be sent off. Then the carnage and the, what I actually think was the wrong thing that happened in terms of the referee referee seemed to send him off, then check VAR, yep. even though VAR had intervened and was looking at the incident whilst he was sending him off. Which, mm. which started the confusion. So essentially, we're talking about someone who gets a yellow card, then a red card, and then demoted back to a yellow card, which is crazy. Uh, and, 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 and ultimately, if we are in the room when the referees have that debrief uh, for the weekend's games, it's going to be, well, I think the lesson learned there is don't be too hasty and don't send him off. Because if you hadn't given him mm. that red card, I don't think there'd be anywhere near as much of an uproar as there, as there surely is about to be from, um, from Elio right now. Mm. Mm. <laughs> there is about to <laughs> be. So I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Go ahead. I, you've seen enough pictures to know roughly how far from play I sit. Generally not so close that I should obviously be able to see a hand move at speed into someone's face. But it was obvious, even from where I sit, that yeah. one player's arm, I couldn't tell which player it was, but one hand came at speed, and it may not have been a Mike Tyson knockout punch, but it still <laughs> came at speed, it still hit the guy in the face. If Hakim Ziyech isn't a little runt with skinny little boy arms, <laughs> then that will cause a lot of damage. But Hakim Ziyech is a little runt, so it didn't. So he essentially escaped a red card, basically out of pity for being pathetic. Now, yep. if we're saying that that push in itself doesn't warrant more than a yellow card, well, actually, let me flip that. Do you, In your mind, do you think, and I'm going to ask you, Dave, because you're the impartial one, do you think that push to the face is a red card? 
Just the push. I'm going to go inside incident by incident. This specific here. one, rather than in general. In terms general, of sexual... don't do it in terms of consistency with the rules and other red mm. cards. We've seen just if you were a referee watching this match or just a neutral watching this match and you saw that push to the face, would you think it warrants a red card? This is where it gets difficult because it depends on which angle you saw it. Because interestingly, on the on the Sky um, analysis at mm. halftime, there were two angles that were shown. One, it looked like Zayich had decked mm. him. Okay. And the other one, yeah. it looked like... Is that the one where the referee to push... gets in the way of the shot? Yeah. And the other one, it looks like yeah. he's tried to push him on the shoulder and basically brush mm. off his shoulder and into his face. Okay. That's what Hasselbank said, wasn't makes, it? And that makes a difference. You know, so, if, 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 you, if you're trying to push... Let's go with the weaker I mean, don't, don't, go, don't get me wrong. If you're yeah. an idiot and you can't get someone in the shoulder... <laughs> thing, you know, the... I mean, Emerson's not a small <laughs> you're guy. Ask, you're asking for it. And maybe, you, never, you never know what the dark hearts so, are. You know, we talk about it all the time. Maybe Emerson, maybe Emerson saw it coming and just dropped his shoulders. <laughs> so here's the question then. Let's take the weaker of those offences, just the weaker one. Brushes <laughs> yeah. the shoulder, accidentally hits the face. For what it's worth, if you go in with a bad tackle that you've accidentally done as a bad tackle and you break yep, someone's totally leg. Still go over the ball. You yeah. don't mean to go over the ball and get someone in the shin, but... Yeah, it's, it's reckless and tough luck where it lands, Then you get basically. sent off. So why something towards the face, which is far more dangerous than any of the legs, because, well, it just is, concussions, etc. Fingernails yeah. and eyes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dembele got his six-match suspension because of it. But yeah, yeah Dembele mm. got suspended for six games for an eye gouge. So if you're watching that just as neutral, you see the hands brush the shoulder and go on the face, you know that's what's happened. Do you think that's a red? I wouldn't be shocked if it was a red. Now, do you think it's a yellow? Do you think it's a definite yellow at least? It's a it's 100% yellow. Minimum. Okay. Now, so we're saying that is definitely a yellow minimum. The barge... The barge that yeah. caused the melee to start off in the first place on Richarlison. No attempt to get the ball, agreed? Yeah. After he's these, been tripped by one player. It wasn't a barge. He went in for a tackle. The ball had gone there. No, he, he, the ball so it, was, gone. it was very late. So that happens. Let's say it happens in play, first of all. Do you think that's a yellow card? <sighs> if you take someone that I mean, late. It's, bo- it's borderline because you're in the centre circle. In the final third, I would say it's a yellow card. But in the centre circle... It's but just, why does it matter which contest. part of the pitch? If it it's, always if it's does. A, but you're meant to be punishing the severity of the yeah. But you never do. You, because there'd be 15 but, penalties yeah. a game, Elliot. There, there are two questions here. Is, is Do you think normally that would be given as yellow or should it be a yellow? And the other aspect or the other thing to factor in is how often in reality do you ever see two yellow card offences in quick succession you that happen before the referee has a chance to even respond to one of them, let alone both, actually be given compound, continuous yellow cards. You don't yeah. get two in a row. It just even doesn't happen. Even if we accept that neither of them is a red, though we say that actually the push to the face, even in the weaker interpretation of it, yeah. could have been a red, especially in line with Casemiro's recently, then mm. those are two offences that if they were done completely independently of each other, different parts of the game, 30 minutes apart... I think they are both guaranteed yellow cards. Now, then I've I've heard another argument that says that the tackle may have only not been a yellow card because the referee might have already blown up for the trip anyway, and the trip was the offence, so he was punishing that rather than tackle. What? If someone barges in someone or or goes in on someone with their studs and the ball's not in play in that moment, (laughs) that's worse! (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's probably at that worse, point, that's yeah. not trying to play football that's just trying to kick someone I mean, at that point it's just assault that's what Romero does to pregnant women <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah. I struggled to argue with that earlier. I mean, I ultimately 100% agree with you on is that if those two offences happened 30 minutes apart, I think he's off. So yeah. then next question. VAR have obviously dealt with the thing he was showing the red for in the first place, which was the push to the face and said, have a look at this. We think it's a yellow instead. And he's looked at it and decided it's yellow. Why aren't they also looking at the first tackle that caused the hole? Because it's not because the first one isn't a clear and obvious error that it should be a red, not a yellow. But, but given that he hasn't taken action on the first one, shouldn't they actually be saying, look at that situation? Or I'm not, not sure that you're allowed to use VAR for two yellow cards equals a red. Okay. You might why? be, but why? I don't know the rules anymore. But if, if you can't, why not? I mean, well, it would be really you, helpful if we all knew the rules of football, wouldn't it? it? Would be I think, I think the, the if anyone that, knew the rules The challenge football. that we have now here is that we're talking about, we're not even talking about consistency of the referees anymore. We're talking about consistency of whether we are playing to the rules or an mm. interpretation of the rules. And I think that's the biggest difference between, you know, uh, DRS is so mm. successful in cricket or Hawkeye mm. is so successful in tennis because it is. It's objective. It's it's one or zero. It's black or yeah. white. Mm. Um, yeah. There is no middle ground. I agree um, completely. Apart from sometimes with the half catches and the soft knit signals of out, which are horrifically contentious. Now mm. apply that to every decision in football because well, that's that what they tried to do with handball, wasn't it? That was the idea for handball. Well, yeah, they were, but then they were it just ended up finding new grey areas. Exactly. So, yeah. The fact that yeah. we're even having this discussion just shows that VAR has not yeah. improved a thing that mm. not only are we still berating refs, maybe more than ever, but we also have an elevated expectation of how well applied the rules, whatever the hell the rules are. I don't even think the refs know it. Mike Riley pretty much writes them. So, I mean, he's a moron. So obviously they're not going to know it. But the fact that we're having this discussion just shows it is not fit for purpose. And I embraced it when I came in. I thought it was a good idea as a Spurs fan who'd seen us denied a goal that crossed the line by several yards as a Spurs fan who saw Man United get every decision under the sun against us every time they needed but a bit of help to win a match. That's already been solved. Mm. <laughs> unless, unless, of course, you're... Who was it? Aston Villa on the last, last financial game of the season? Mm. Well, <laughs> survived, let's survived because Survived because they didn't turn it on. They need to get rid of it. On a related note... I wonder what you guys think. So Howard Webb, who is a man who I, I think Elio has spent plenty of time berating in the I past. I actually don't mind him now. Who, who is, by most accounts, one of the more highly thought of referees, I suppose. And he is quite a senior figure in the referees I tell you what, you never saw all whatever these handbags on matches being refereed by no. the six foot two ex-policeman. Exactly, yeah, for his credit. But he has talked about, I believe, the idea of potentially introducing a kind of NFL style dialogue where the referees are mic'd up and you can hear what the referees are saying. And you can hear Michael Oliver's thick Geordie accent while he gives decisions against Spurs. What do you guys think of that? Would you like to see it? Or is that just an absolute Pandora's box waiting to be opened. It is a terrible idea, and it, <laughs> the reason it's it a terrible idea. The players are saying, for one thing, it, it will, which will well imagine if Wayne Rooney ever makes a return to playing. Um, but <laughs> you've got fans at home who will hear it. You've got fans in the stadium who still. What are they going to play it over the the speaker system in the stadium? I mean, it's just. Do they do that in NFL? Be- I, I, I don't, don't know. I have no idea. It, it's yeah. just yet another way of trying to make the game... You know, I would almost say that that suggestion is almost just try to sex up for TV audiences in America. Mm. I, I, I just don't see what it would contribute other than making the game feel even more manufactured yeah. than it already more is. More controversy. Yeah. Dave, your thoughts? 
I think it's a brilliant idea, and I don't know why we haven't done it. <laughs> of course you do. Of course you do. Um, I, I, the, the two things that I would, well, three things that I would absolutely bring in from rugby union to football every mm. time would be Mike the ref, yep. yellow card and sending off for swearing. No yep. one's allowed and to talk. No one's allowed to talk to the ref talk. the captain. Yeah. I agree with Which would be a bit difficult with you having to sprint up the pitch every time we wanted then, to have then a discussion. Then his team need to stop being unprofessional and then they'll stop <laughs> when he gets lobbed. Yeah. And and Ren yeah. will stop swearing when he gets sent off. And it'll be mm. it'll be three weeks or four weeks of absolute carnage and then nobody mm. will swear. And the but, football game in general will be more accessible. I agree with you. And mm. the thing is, there's so many different things that we say this about where it'll be carnage at first, but then it will be good. The whole um, shirt pulling in the box, the yeah. very clear obstruction of fullback shuffling the ball out of play with no intention of touching the ball while wingers are trying to chase onto it. That's that's a foul and a free kick anywhere else on the pitch. Mm. There are so many situations like that where the argument against it is it'll be madness. It will be madness, and that's why it will improve things because everyone will realise how f- ridiculous their behavior is and get back in their boxes do you remember the group stage of the world cup when they were giving they were putting the correct amount of added time on at the end of every half yeah why did they not carry on i was so excited about that i was like this is brilliant i mean you know if even if we have to stay an extra half hour to get the right amount of time in a football game totally worth it because Mm. it just gets rid of kepper Mm. getting booked for for time wasting after 30 minutes it gets rid of jordan pickford fake Catching the ball and then after three seconds mm. of standing up, dropping to his knees and falling on the floor. It's ridiculous. And the fact that they introduced that at the World Cup without really a massive you know, fanfare, I was like, this is brilliant. This is exactly yeah. what we need. And then they dumped Everyone it Everyone was in favour of it as well. Yeah. Yeah, they dumped it. Every, everyone loved it. Everyone said, this is great. This is what football needs. Well, somebody obviously um, didn't love it because somebody important enough to love it obviously maybe had to get a taxi home and didn't want to be hanging around. Well, anyway, that got very messy and perhaps predictably as well. I thought anyway, that was going to open a can of worms. Down, so there you go. I had two, point, <laughs> two points on that just quickly. One, r- winding it all the way back to talking about Ziyech. Um, if you are listening, Hack and Ziyech, I want you to know just quite how deep a burn it is that Elio has just insulted your arms and uh, your, your physical strength. And two, for the second week running, a horrible refereeing decision that did not ultimately, thankfully, affect the outcome of the game. It and we managed sweeter. to see it through. In fact, it almost did. And, and yeah, that takes me nicely into the second half, which started with an absolute bang. And Dave, I want to come to you to talk about Oliver Skip's first Spurs goal, which is a lovely goal. And why I want to come to you is because we did some hot takes pre-season. We did a few predictions about various things. And in fact, the last time we played Chelsea, one of those came true, which was Elio predicting that Conte would eventually get a touchline back. He did. <laughs> this time around, you, Dave, predicted, if you can remember, that a Thunder Bastard would be scored by none other than young Oliver Skip at some point this season. Would you classify oh, no. that as a Thunder Bastard? I was about to, I was about to argue, and argue against <laughs> it being a Thunder Bastard because I'd forgotten about that. that, that uh, it was on the rise when it hit the net, which was the correct yeah, one. Outside the box, the box and still on the right yeah. when it rise when it crossed the line. Does it count as a Thunder Bastard when the keeper gets a hand to it? Arguably more so, because in that because case, maybe he's less so powerfully, exactly. even though I do think Kepa, <laughs> I think Kepa probably should have saved it, if I'm being completely honest. And I know the guys in the studio felt the same. Um, Elliot, I don't know if you've watched it back, but yeah, I have. take nothing away from Skip. I mean, a lovely, lovely strike. But I think Absolutely. a better keeper probably takes that one out. Commitment to get the ball as well. You know, that, 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 yeah, that yeah, could yeah. easily have been a 50-50 that the other guy just didn't bother with. And, uh, Absolutely. Uh, and, and, Skip, and Skip did, and then, and then it set up perfectly for him. And as soon as it set up for him, you were thinking, 
just smack that and he did (laughs) (laughs) it was such a wonderful moment um funnily enough the last real big one of our own to break through and he'd already scored a bunch of goals by then but he announced himself to the world with a thunderbolt against chelsea as well and that was harry kane there you go bad way to endear yourself to the spurs crowd full circle um elio you were in the ground obviously what was it like in that moment because obviously with everything that happened right before half time big game chelsea must have raised the spirits of the whole stadium did you feel that it had gone up a notch at the beginning of that second half because it seemed like it watching on tv the sending so the first half the atmosphere was a little up and down a bit like sort of the pace of the play but second half Everything was noisy the moment they came out because of that incident with Ziyech. And, well, thank you, because honestly, I think Ziyech might have won us the game by doing that. Um, Mm. And Mm. second half, there was only one team in the match and they weren't wearing blue. Absolutely. For the second week running, Son came off the bench and though he didn't score this time, you could say he had an instant impact because he took the corner that led to our second goal. It wasn't direct assist because obviously Eric Dyer got up and got a head onto it. But it's another strike from good old Gianni Vio that takes us to 12 goals this season from corners, which is quite incredible when you think that that's over a quarter of our goals this season are coming from corners that's not bad at all and to give you some context that's in terms of the amount of corners we've scored from the amount we've taken that's 12 out of 143 which is an 8.3 percent success rate that's pretty good which is if you think of that in terms of a direct free kick i did a little bit of digging and to compare that to say Lionel messi across his career from direct free kicks he has scored 8.9 percent so only slightly more. So our corners are about as effective as Messi's direct free kicks. What do you think of that, Elio? I fell asleep. That was dead boring. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I was barely listening to that. <laughs> to, to, ask it, to ask it in, in terms you might be a bit more interested in, what do you think of the goal? It was... I don't know if we're calling it a Gianni via masterpiece or whatever. What I want to know is how the best striker in league, maybe in the world is continuously able to sneak in at the back post to score from corners. <laughs> he's six foot two. He's not little. He's he's hard to miss. And yet, <laughs> yeah. and I know we can say he's got great movement, and he does, obviously. Otherwise, he wouldn't be um, yeah. the Premier League's third top all-time scorer and on track to become the Premier League's all-time top scorer. But seriously, def- I mean, this was... Who were the Chelsea defenders on the pitch at the time? 80 million worth of Fafana. Um, yeah. Another 80 million Koulibaly. worth of Koulibaly. Uh, Reese James, who is mm. actually an exceptional player. Ben Chilwell was another 40, 50 million. Um, how does this keep happening? It's not just Chelsea. Loads of teams. He's scored so many goals like this lately. And, I mean... Good, everybody. Please keep ignoring the best striker in the league <laughs> when we have a corner. I love it. Yeah, it looked to me like a case of zonal marking again. A few matches ago, we had the same discussion about a goal we'd conceded and saying, why are we leaving their big man open? I can't remember who it was, but this looked to me like Sterling was on Kane, which immediately, (laughs) there's a red flag up there, isn't there? You know, Sterling's a half decent attacker, but you don't want him marking Harry Kane, do you? It's like having a squirrel marking a gorilla. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I love that. You know, that's a contender for the episode title. Anyway, 2-0, and from then, I guess it was pretty much 
only going one way. And by the end, it felt quite comfortable, didn't it, Elio? Because Chelsea just didn't, they might have had more of the ball and they actually had a lot more passes in our final third. I think they had 192 compared to 96 on our side, but they didn't ever look dangerous in spite of that, did they? And the whole thing you talked about last week with that lack of a centre forward Mm -hmm. really shone through. Which team had the ball in the other team's box more? That's far more interesting than final thirds. They're, they're in our I think final that was quite even because we sit deep. I think that was even. I think okay. the touches in the box was about sort of 19 to 18 that or something. That surprise me because I think corners even. was even. And you know, corners is always my yeah. favourite. Um, but I don't remember being worried at all second half. First half, maybe a couple of moments. But second half, it was there was only one team winning the match. And whether they yeah. played badly or whether we made them look bad, who knows? I do know that I far prefer playing this midfield than a midfield with Kovacic and Conte in it. The Argentinian Harry Winks and a player who couldn't get into the England side ahead of Deli Ali as their central midfield pairing was was interesting uh, to say the least. Uh, there's the Argentinian there's, Harry Winks. There's little surprise that Oliver Skip was the man of the match when that is what he was up against. Um, generally, I feel good. I, I do have a little yeah. bit of a list this week, as I always tend to lately. I think it's because we've had games against rivals, against teams we dislike yeah. in heated situations. Sterling's always on there ever since he tried to decapitate Tanganga all those years ago. He's still on the list from then. Um, he's just such a smarmy, diving little twat. Uh, there's one point where he basically dribbled the ball out of play because he felt Emerson's breath on the back of his neck and sh** himself and he fell over and then Emerson mm-hmm. reached out his hands to help him back up. This was right in front of me and Sterling just sort of, was it like a fake, you know, when you go to shake someone's hand and withdraw it like a little school child or he just sort of yeah. palmed it away. It's like, Okay, yeah. you're a 30 year old multi multi millionaire acting like a brat. Good for you, I guess. There's mm. obviously no TV cameras watching this. No one's going to see you acting <laughs> like a petulant child. Mason Mount, he's joining Declan Rice and Jack Grealish in the myth of a footballer list. I just, I don't yeah. get. I just, I've always said this. I don't understand Mason Mount. I mean, he had a little um, paddy at the ref at one point and got rightly booked for it. I can't, yeah, I can't even remember what he was wetting himself about, but I think my exact words in that moment were, F off, Mason Mount. Everyone knows your shit except Gareth Southgate. And I stand by that. <laughs> and Frank Lampard. <laughs> obviously Frank Lampard but but what does he know anyway that's probably enough to say about that game it was a lovely win commanding performance obviously Chelsea aren't the Chelsea they have been over the last few years but we will take it nonetheless because we just haven't been able to beat them in a long time and we did what we needed to do that leaves us fourth sitting right between the two League Cup finalists from today Man United and Newcastle we are four points behind Man United having played a game more and we are four points ahead of Newcastle having played two games more so uh, potentially could drop out of there. But it's it's not looking too bad, is it? It's not looking too bad. And of course, we've got a couple of games coming up that we said we're going to talk about. Do you want to talk about Wolves first or do you want to talk about Sheffield United? I know we've touched on Sheffield United last week and you know, I'd be lying if I said I knew very much about them. Well, well, the next game is Sheffield United in the FA Cup and we touched on it before. Obviously doing quite well in the championship. We talked about them last week. Dave, you gave us a bit of a rundown. Elio, how are you feeling approaching this game? Are you starting to get excited? Are you starting to get FA Cup fever? Absolutely, I am. It's it's obviously our best chance of a trophy. It's a game against a huge club, even if it's a club in the division below. It's also a game that you'd hope we'd win and find ourselves in the final eight. But... Mm. 
At this point, if you're not dreaming about winning the FA Cup, then why are you watching football? <laughs> yeah. take, take up another hobby, start knitting or go for runs followed by vegan brunches with <laughs> with hollandaise sauce or whatever. Just don't watch football anymore if you're not excited about winning that, the FA Cup at this point. I felt like a very unprovoked attack on vegans there. I'm not sure where that came from, Elia. Um, Dave, do, you, do you think it is dreaming? Like... I'm sure you did. I, I know you regularly do vegan January or whatever it is called. Um, um, Dave, is it dreaming to, to talk about Spurs as potential FA Cup winners at this stage? Do you think if you were a Spurs fan, I know you're in the same position, of course, Leeds are still in the tournament. Um, do you think Spurs have a realistic chance of winning the FA Cup this year? Should we be getting excited? Um, yes, you do have a realistic chance of winning the FA Cup. No, you shouldn't be getting excited. <laughs> I feel like those two, those two contradict each other somewhat. I'm, well, I'm excited no, by the realistic yeah, chance. Well, yeah, sure. Be, be, be excited about the, the dream. But yeah. ultimately, it will get real yeah. um, uh, when the draw is made for the quarterfinals and if you're in it. If yeah. I think at the quarterfinal stage, that gets genuinely exciting. And ultimately, mm. how many teams above you are, are in the are in the FA Cup? Both Manchester clubs. Just, Arsenal just, are out, just the two Manchester, Manchester clubs. clubs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so an Arsenal are out, Newcastle are out. Yeah. A lot of Premier League teams are out. Mm. And more will be out by the time we get to the quarters because Leeds will have knocked out Fulham. Um, exactly, uh, yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, I think that's in a reason why, as long as you get through and then we'll see what the draw happens for the quarterfinals. And, yeah, yeah, that's when you should start getting excited. But yeah. I think Sheffield United are going to be going to be a tough nut to crack. You know, they will. They're, they've been cracking out wins. They? They're second. They've kind of they, they steadied the ship at the weekend. They beat resurgent Watford side. And I think Middlesbrough lost as well. So they're back to a seven-point gap, mm. back to third. So they're still looking pretty good for the Premier League next season. And one thing I forgot to mention, their striker, their top scorer, went to my school. No, he what, Ollie didn't. McBurney? Yeah, Ollie McBurney went to, went to the same school as me. So, you know, he's the second yeah. most famous person to come out Wasn't of Wasn't he their Academy. record signing at one point? I think so, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think they paid a, an unnecessary amount of money for him and you know he's not great presumably he's but, far too young yeah, he's far thing. too young to remember you from school though I'd imagine yeah you wouldn't have crossed paths or I'm far too old but was, yes, yeah, yeah I was being kind Dave yeah yeah I was turning it that way around no, I appreciate yeah. that so um yeah so yeah that's 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 my Sheffield mm. United fun fact of the day but yeah I think uh if you can get past them is it Tuesday or Wednesday you're, you're playing Wednesday uh Wednesday so Wednesday, I'm going to be with you at Fulham Leeds on Tuesday and then obviously watching it on Wednesday I mean They've got good players in this lineup. Norwood's a decent player. McBurney is a goal scorer. Mm. How good do you think? It's Sander Berger is a decent player. I remember when he first came to the Premier League a few years ago, I was thinking, we could have gone for him. Um, Jaden he's still Bogles. only 23-24, uh, Sander Berger. I think he's too good for that league. John Fleck is a talented player, um, even if he is getting on a bit. Agen's really experienced. And yeah, Jaden Bogle running up and down the wing has been quite a dangerous player for years. So, And they've still got Billy Sharp floating around on the bench. And, uh, God, it, how old is he? 19, yeah, so I think. He's Dave. He'll he's remember Dave for a while. Yeah. Um, they still have that John Lundstrom, the jewel of FPL no, from three years now, ago that everyone had except me. I think he's at Rangers oh, That's now. right, yeah, that makes sense, yeah. Vinnie Jones went to my school, would you believe? Again, a little bit older than me. Didn't cross paths, but Leeds Vinnie legend. Jones went to my, my secondary school. So yeah, that's the FA Cup. So Dave, I guess what you're saying is you probably dissuade any Spurs fans from getting the tattoo now of, you know, Tottenham Hotspur, 2023 FA Cup champions... Probably a bit early for that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's save it for a, a, for the next podcast because if the next podcast comes around yeah. and, and you're in the hat and you and you know who you're well, playing, 
then then you could potentially at get that point we could right. potentially be talking about an upcoming Spurs Leeds quarterfinal. Well, I want, I, I, I'm looking at Wembley for Spurs Leeds semi semi or final. Please. I mean, Thank I, you I think that, that would be the podcast episode to end all podcast episodes, wouldn't it? That would be the ultimate. It'd probably be the episode. To it, end it would the probably one way or another be the final say, episode. And, and the friendship, yeah, yeah, quite, quite possibly. <laughs> Let, let's see. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's try and enjoy the time we have left. Um, so the next Premier League game is Wolves. I must admit, I, Wolves are one of those teams, and I, I don't want to say sound disrespectful, but they're they're a little bit kind of just in the middle. Like, I don't really know much about them. They they never really seem to be that exciting. They never seem to score loads or concede loads. I don't really know anything about Wolves ever since the kind of well the Nuno days. Really, <laughs> kind of lost track of what they're doing and what sort of proposition they are. Dave, how would you describe Wolves and is there anything to be wary of from a Spurs point of view? Um, since being Liverpool 3-0 they did do that, at the beginning yeah. of February. I do remember that. Um, they've been a bit they've been quite shaky mm. actually, a bit more shaky than I anticipated them being. You know, I, I thought I didn't expect them to, to so comfortably beat Liverpool, but then thought they would get more than the is it two points they've got from the last three games, which includes Bournemouth at home, which they lost. So yeah, I think by definition are a bit hit and miss, but that yeah. might mean that they're actually a bit more effective against the better teams who want to come out and want to try and get a result against them. So yeah. that in itself would be a reason for you to be quite fearful. They don't score many goals. They've got 18 so far all season and their top scorer is Daniel Podence with five. Wow. Uh, so it's not a side that's full of goals. I think Neves has got five as well from midfield. Yeah. Probably all Thunder Bastards. Um, I think Hoiberg's got more than that, hasn't he? Well, yeah, well there you go. Um, well, Hoiberg is, is a rich man's Neves, as we all know. <laughs> but they do have Lepetegui as a, as a manager. He mm. does know how to set the team up and I think he will know how to get a result. But... Yeah, tricky one because obviously it is a Molyneux and I think that will give them a chance in this one, I think. Yeah, they've kind of replaced Southampton for me as the kind of... The team that I'd say would almost be one of the most boring teams to support <laughs> because I always just say this about Southampton. They never challenge for anything. They never go down, although finally this season looks like they actually might. Um, and, you know, they're not going to be competing in Europe. It, it just seems like they're always kind of around the middle. But Elio, what do you think of Wolves? Is this kind of a classic banana skin game? This is the kind of game that could just sneak up on us and we might take them for granted. We might underestimate them a little bit. Is this a game that we should be winning comfortably? This is a hard game. Lopetegui is a good manager and they do have good players. We should beat Wolves, but it's not, and it's a fixture we have slipped up in in recent seasons as well, it's not a given. So I think if we see a bit of rotation on Wednesday with an eye on the Wolves game, I wouldn't be too upset. Maybe have Kane on the bench as first reserve in case of emergency against Sheffield United and save his legs for the Wolves match because they've got some really good players as well. Obviously, Nevers is a really good player. I really like Kilman as a centre-back yeah. as well. I think he's going to be a really good player. Um, Potential I think, Spurs target, you might say. Or at least he's been linked <laughs> to us in the past. I, I think he's definitely suits mm. us. Um, he's obviously good on the ball. He's quick. He's, he's strong. He's an absolute giant as well isn't he so mm. so no absolutely taking nothing for granted in this match and this isn't just because recently I said they should just award us the win in advance <laughs> only to see us get hammed for one at Leicester uh, I like to think that was somewhat tongue-in-cheek I like to think well you never know. I, I, it, uh, let, let's let's go yeah, with that yeah. um, but <laughs> but generally I think away in the Premier League against any side that's been in this league for a considerable amount of time, which Wolves have been, is time for a bit of caution. So 
I think we'll win, but at the same time, we will have to play well. I mean, they've got good players. I'm looking at their lineup from their win over Southampton. Now, Craig Dawson, obviously, super experienced yeah. guy. Nevis is a good player. Lamina is a good player, been in the Premier League for a long time. Moutinho, so much experience and has played at the very top level. Sarabi is a really talented player and kind of tailed off after his big move to PSG. <laughs> but I, I remember when he was still in Spain, we always th- I always used to think that he was someone I'd like to see us go mm. for. Actually, around the time we were losing Ericsson, I thought he'd have been a good sort of sneaky Ericsson replacement. So, yeah. so we can't show up and underestimate yeah. them. I do hope they play Nelson Semedo because, <laughs> well, Nelson, Nelson Semedo is Nelson Semedo. But other than that, it's a fifth one. They might start Diego Costa. Oh, dear. I think Chelsea could have done with him back today, to be honest with you. They definitely need someone like that anyway. Uh, I feel quite bad. We've now. not even talked about him in his Yeah, yeah. I, I feel quite bad now. I've, I've just, I, I feel like I've been really disrespectful to Wolves. And you guys have just basically put me in my place and said, actually, no, they've got lots of very good players. Let's show them the respect they deserve because they could well be Spurs. <laughs> and no one would bat an eye or be particularly surprised. Anyway. Let's see what happens there. That is on Saturday next week, I believe. So we will probably be doing another episode a couple of days after that and looking back on that as well as the FA Cup and hopefully looking at who Spurs are going to be playing in the next round of the FA Cup, assuming we managed to get through. And Leeds, of course. I think that has more than covered what we had on the agenda to talk about today. Join us next week, of course, where we will be looking back on those two games, Sheffield United in the Cup and Wolves away in the league. In the meantime, please do follow us on Twitter. As always, we are at Plus Dave Podcast. I'm at Plus Dave Dags. Dave is at Fantasy Dave. Elio is at Elio underscore P underscore THFC. I'm going to hand the reins back over to you guys. Let me know if there are any closing thoughts, any final musings on all things Spurs before we let our listeners go. Just another good end to the week and for once for all of us as well with Javi Gracia getting off to a very good start for Leeds as well. Indeed. So, yeah, I think we can, we can all be pleased with that. Yep, Leeds win, Spurs win, happy podcast, yep. up for the cup. All good, brilliant. We will see you all next week in that case. Hopefully, we will all be happy again because we're on a bit of a roll at the moment and let's hope we can keep it going. Until then, stay classy Spurs fans and we'll see you next week. Bye.